Hi everyone and welcome to Spark Leadership. I'm Windy Tsepiso Maledu, a senior behavioral scientist at Coach Hub and the host of the show. Today I'm excited to delve into the concept of intelligent leadership, a transformative result-oriented leadership growth philosophy and process pioneered by my guest, John Matone. John is a best-selling author, the world's top executive coach and leadership expert. His intelligent leadership movement began in 2010. Since then, this coaching philosophy has transformed the lives of nearly 1 million people and impacted the success of thousands of organizations from nearly every corner of the globe. John Matone has personally coached and mentored over 450 global executive coaches and 25 of the world's top CEOs and governmental leaders. John Matone is the former executive coach to the late Steve Jobs and the former legendary CEO of PepsiCo, Roger Enrico. A warm, warm welcome to the show, John. I am deeply honored to speak with you today. Thank you, Wendy. It's uh, quite an honor to be with you, and what a wonderful introduction. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. So let's start our conversation today. I thought let's have a broader perspective of leadership. I mean, you've done amazing work on the topic of leadership. And I'd like us to start by just opening up the conversation and we'll scale it down as we go. So I'm curious to know, as a leadership expert and coach, what is your definition of leadership? Well, it's evolved. Uh One of the things that I've noticed, Wendy, is that we clearly have a leadership gap uh, all over the world. And my observation over the years is that a lot of leadership development is focused in on what I call the outer core. And when we talk about the outer core, we're talking about, you know, leadership skills and competencies and really the thrust of intelligent leadership, which is you know pretty much what I'm known for, is to get leaders to focus in literally on their inner core. And when I talk about the inner core, I'm talking about the heart and the soul of an individual that uh, is very complicated, but includes things that are absolute leading indicators to driving success as a leader. Things like, for example, balanced self-concept. Uh, having the right value system, operating with the right values, having an impeccable character, having positive thinking patterns, balanced emotions. These are elements that, if they are polished and optimized, predict driving greatness in the outer core in terms of, for example, becoming a better decision maker, uh, a better strategic thinker, and so on and so forth. So that's how I define leadership. I think there's a very intricate interplay, if you will, between the inner core and the outer core. And a lot of the work that I do and I teach to coaches is to get leaders to better understand what's working in their inner core and what also may not be working. We can help leaders go a little bit deeper and help them learn more about their inner core so they can we can help them translate what they learn about their inner core into driving greatness in the outer core. The key things that you've just addressed there, um, and I think we'll obviously deep dive into them when we speak about the intelligent leadership, but I'm hearing 
how you say the indicators to driving success. I mean, organizations want to hear that, right? Right, exactly, exactly. But what I'm hearing you say loud and clear, you said that the indicators that are driving success are in the inner core and it's about the heart and soul of individuals. Very well said, Wendy. So when you think about the mind of leadership, I think we'd all agree that there's a lot of smart people running around. To me, that's not the ultimate differentiator, and that's not the ultimate predictor of greatness as a leader. In fact, I think coming out of the pandemic, one of the things that we've all learned is that great leadership, and in fact, organizations that are going to sustain operating success need to elevate the soul and, and the heart of leaders so that they're more compassionate you know, and they care more and they're more communicative and they are collaborative and they're able in an authoritative, real way, connect with people on a level that perhaps they've never connected before. I think that's that's going to be really, really important going forward. And I think it's, you know, honestly, it's going to separate leadership uh, and becoming a great leader in the future and organizational success is the elevation of the heart and the elevation of the soul combined with a strong mind and try to optimize that interplay. John, I'd like to take a, a conversation, you know, maybe backwards to move forward. Sure. <laughs> because you're already addressing some of the fundamental key things around a successful leader. And literature suggests of late that there's a difference between leadership development and leader development. What is the difference for you? And obviously then maybe add on to what makes a successful leader in addition to what you said. Yeah, I think they are different. When we think about leadership development, Wendy, we're thinking about really more of an umbrella concept. And, you know, leadership development is certainly multifaceted. It includes obviously uh, combining a lot of different methodologies that can move the needle. And when we talk about leader development, I think we're getting very, very specific around isolating the gifts and strengths that a particular leader brings to the world. And then putting a plan together, like an individual leadership development plan that leverages their gifts and strengths in support of driving the organization to the next level, number one. And number two, also aligned with their core purpose. And I think that's really important, Wendy. So I kind of look at the differences between leadership development and leader development from the standpoint of just getting very specific with respect to a particular leader and putting a plan in a place that can be executed. That is beautifully put, <laughs> because I think as organizations, we focused a lot around leadership development versus leader development. And I think what, you know, you've just painted, it's a clear picture between working with the leader's gifts and talent and the leadership development plan aligning to values, right, and their, the strength of the individual versus looking into leadership development as methodologies and competence and processes, da, 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 da. So I think that is beautiful in how you have put it and it lends this conversation what you've already said around the inner core, right, and the outer core. So let's build a bit then to say, what then is a successful leader from your perspective? Successful leader has a balanced self-image. 
Mm. And we've all experienced the overactive ego. A lot of the work that I do with CEOs, and it's a humble uh, opportunity that I've got, and I'm very privileged to, to be reached out to by, you know, top CEOs and government leaders and so on and so forth. And the biggest issue that I see is the overactive ego. And there's nothing wrong with being achievement-oriented and absolutely passionate about what you bring to the world and your gifts. You know, we, we want people in the world to be very proud, you know, of their gifts and strengths. And that's, that's perfectly fine. But it's been my experience that really what polishes the leader is a counterbalance of being open to feedback and being, I call it being vulnerable, Wendy, you know, and it's a conscious decision that people make, uh, can make. And certainly if you do make that decision, it's probably the best decision that you can make as a human being is to be vulnerable. That's what keeps the ego in check. I think also what will drive great leadership is operating with a value system where, yes, you're passionate about being achievement-oriented, but your biggest value should be around altruism. You know, the value of altruism is beautiful because ultimately it's the elevation of the heart that's going to make the difference in the world. And we need more of that uh, in the world, especially post-pandemic. And ultimately the value of, you know, why, why do you even exist as a person, you know? I actually deluded myself into thinking that my existence was about me. And when I realized, and that's why I had a calling, you know, to go back and do this work. When I realized I was not put on the earth for me, I was actually put on the earth to touch the hearts, minds, and souls of, of other people. When I realized that and embraced it, amazing things started to happen in my life and in my career. So that's what I try to get leaders to understand. Uh, th those are all important things. And obviously having positive thinking patterns, balanced emotions, right? All of those things are triggers and engines within the soul. And if those are polished and optimized, it's going to lead to behaviors that are experienced by others as beauty. You know, in terms of strategic thinking, team leadership, talent leadership, critical thinking, and so on and so forth. And that's how I look at great leadership is a continuous focus on polishing both the inner core and the outer core because it, it never ends, Wendy. Mm. <laughs> right? It just never ends. Lifelong learning it is. It is. Absolutely. Leaders need to be vulnerable, and it's a conscious decision to be vulnerable. This self-awareness of going through a conscious journey of vulnerability is a powerful insight into the foundation of successful leadership. And I think this leads us straight into John's main concept of intelligent leadership. Before we get into the details of what makes an intelligent leader, I wanted to know how this concept came about. Very interesting story, um, Wendy, and I'll be I'll be pretty quick with it. I got out of grad school many years ago. I did the corporate thing for a few years. Age thirty, I launched my first business. Uh, my wife and I at the time we had two kids at home, and I I was pretty successful for ten years from age thirty to forty. I didn't do any coaching at that time. It was all speaking, and I traveled the world. 
and wrote two books. Neither book did very well. The second book was written in 1996 called Success Yourself. That book represented my early thinking on what's evolved as part of intelligent leadership. That book was such a failure, Wendy, that I went back in the corporate world because I, I gave up my dream. I, I literally gave it up. And I went back in the corporate world, which, which actually helped me because I, I grew tremendously in the corporate world from age 40 to 55. And then I relaunched uh, just about 11 years ago. And uh, some people know this story. Steve Jobs picked up that book, Success Yourself, that was written in 1996 in 2010 before he died. About a year before he died, he picked up the book. He was in a bookstore in Cupertino. He, he liked the book. He actually took the assessment that I created in the back of the book. He didn't like his score. That led to the opportunity for me to work with him. But a year before he died, that all ignited the evolution, if you will, of intelligent leadership. I rewrote that book in 2013, Success Yourself, into a, a global bestseller. And then we were off and running, Wendy. I wrote a book on culture, 2016, and I think I wrote my best book a couple of years ago, The Intelligent Leader, where I was able to take a lot of the concepts and really make them come alive, you know, for, for readers. Intelligent leadership is what leaders can do to ignite, cultivate, and polish the heart, mind, and soul. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, John. There are veteran leaders and newly appointed leaders listening right now who might be wondering, how can I grow as an intelligent leader? And how can I apply this philosophy in my work? Can you please share with us just a few practical steps to adopting this leadership approach? So one of the tenets of intelligent leadership is thinking differently and thinking big. Very, very difficult for any human being to achieve their ultimate vision for themselves and ultimately uh, create the masterpiece that they were put on the earth to create. You can't do it unless you've got the courage to step out of your comfort zone and think differently and think big. And by the way, it's becoming more difficult to do this. How about just taking time out to think? There you go. That's, that's huge. And given just how disruptive the world is and how busy people are, it's becoming very, very challenging for people to carve out time to reflect, to think, to pray, to go very, very deep, to read books. You know, and I tell a lot of leaders, listen, you know, uh, read, read novels, read books that are outside the world of leadership and business. And why do we do that? Because it's a way to open up your perspective. So I think you've got to build in time to actually uh, strengthen that muscle, if you will, is to be very, very focused in on, on just taking time to think. And I think the other thing that's really important is ask yourself the big questions. Big questions will enable you to think differently and think big. For example, what's the vision of the essence of the personal leader that you must become, right? That's a big question. I don't know if there's a bigger question in the world, right? And here's where a lot of people shortcut themselves. They say, hey, what's the vision of the essence of the personal leader I want to become? Well, that's a pretty good question. 
But a bigger question is, oh, what's the vision of the essence and the personal leader you must become? And why is that a bigger question? Well, it brings you into the world of, back to what we were talking about before, you're not on the earth for yourself here, right? You're put on the earth to touch hearts, minds, and souls. And ultimately, we have a responsibility to do that. And I think that's important. So asking the really, really big questions will enable those skills to develop. Those would be a couple of examples. Thank you so much. Two practical things. Take time out to think. Ask yourself big questions. In the 50 laws of intelligent leadership, there is law number 19 that states, results transform when culture transforms. Culture transforms when behavior transforms. Behavior transforms when mindset transforms. Please elaborate on this law and share on how organizational culture relates to leadership, because I think it's very pivotal that we discuss this one. It's a wonderful point. Uh, Wendy, and thank you for uh, sharing that law. Uh, If you've got good mindset, you increase the probability of good behavior. And lo and behold, you increase the probability of yielding positive results. There's an algorithm. And you can't create a culture unless you as a leadership team and as an organization create mindsets that drive greatness. And there are five cultures of culture. And one of the cultures that as a leader, you've got to have your finger on the pulse is the can-do culture. And the can-do culture is a belief culture. And the question that I'd like listeners to think about is, as a leader, to what extent are you creating the belief in your people, individually and collectively, that they got the skills and the abilities to execute what needs to be executed in support of the vision of the organization. And there's a big difference between people thinking they can do something and truly believing it, Wendy, you know? And that's where great leadership comes in because great leaders, like great coaches, are able to ignite deep conviction and belief in people. And sometimes it takes a while, but if you can't create that culture of belief, it's very, very difficult for people to execute individually and collectively. And there's a culture of will, passion, you know, and that's important too. And and then the culture of, of must-do or alignment where people feel and believe that they're connected and aligned with the vision of the organization. That's up to leaders to create. So are you creating that culture of can-do, will-do, and must-do? And if you are, uh, you, you increase the probability of igniting people to perform in actuality, right? And also to get teams to perform. Th- those are the five cultures of culture. They don't magically happen. They come from great leadership. So your point about there's a big time relationship between leadership and culture, absolutely. And the last thing I'll say is this. There's a lot of organizations these days, you know, post-pandemic, making big mistakes with culture. First of all, there's not enough organizations measuring culture. Most organizations are measuring engagement, and they actually think that they're measuring culture, but in fact, they're a little bit different. Okay, so measuring culture is very important. And then the second thing is, you know, you can't go copy somebody else's culture. You know, it's like your fingerprint. It's unique. 
And the culture that you need to create has got to be one that supports your operating imperative, Wendy. That's key. So we've got to attend the culture. In my opinion, not enough is being done by organizations proactively at this point. So I think we have a big opportunity here. Key thing you mentioned there, we measure engagement and not culture. And so organizations must go back to identify what exactly are they measuring. As we wrap this conversation, John, it's five, ten years from now. You know the miracle question we ask in coaching. What does leadership look like? Share your predictions with us in five, ten years from now. Just one or two. I'm very, very bullish on the world. I am ecstatic with the young talent in the world. I think we've got a great future with the young talent as long as we focus in on more care, more concern for others, more compassion, becoming better communicators, and collaboration. Wendy, I really believe that if we can better embrace and practice and role model those elements is the extent to which we will create masterpieces individually in this world and collectively so that we all become better. We build stronger families. We build stronger organizations. We build stronger nations. And lo and behold, we create a stronger earth. That's how I see it. Thank you so much, John. I will not add or subtract. May it be as you have predicted it. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. It has been my greatest joy and privilege to have you on the show. Thank you, Wendy. My honor. Thank you so much. The key insights that stood out for me in this conversation was that leaders should take time out to think and ask big questions. This completely resonated with me. As I often say, our role as leaders is not to give answers, but to listen so we can ask the right questions. Thanks everyone for listening. If you like what you've heard and want to explore more, head on over to coachhub.com to learn how we democratize coaching across all career levels. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other streaming platforms, please give us a rating and leave a comment. In our next episode, I'll be joined by communication scientist, educator and author, Dr. Heysan Moon, as we discuss how to shift organizational culture by having better conversations and how ordinary words can alter perspectives, thinking patterns, and behaviors. From everyone at Coach Hub Studios, have a wonderful day. Happiness.